There we go. Good to see everyone. Well, today we are starting a new series called Things Jesus Never Said. And some of you might be wondering, well, why don't you just tell us the things he did say? Wouldn't that save us all a lot of time? And, uh, you know, yes and no. Uh, the problem is, is that we often believe, we're, we believe things about God that, it, that is not true. We have heard things that end up being a lie. Unlike the two brothers, who were terrible troublemakers, they were little hellions. They're always breaking things, they're always stealing things, they're always telling lies, all kinds of trouble. And so mom and dad were at the end of their rope, they did everything they could to try and help these two little guys change. And so they went to their pastor and they said, Pastor, can you help us? We don't know what to do, we're at the end of our rope. And so the pastor said, well, I can meet with them, I'll just meet with them one at a time. And so the parents dropped off the little guy, the, the younger brother. And so he goes into the pastor's office, and he's sitting across from the pastor, pastor, his desk, the kid, and they just stare at each other. And it's an awkward silence, and finally the pastor says, where is God? And there's just silence. The boy just keeps staring at the pastor, and the pastor is getting a little little bit upset because the kid is not saying anything. And so he says at this time a little sterner. He says, where is God? Well, the little boy fidgeted in his seat, still didn't say anything, just staring at the pastor. And the pastor just kind of lost it for a moment. And he said, where is God? And just then the little boy jumped up out of his seat and he ran out of his office to the surprise of the pastor. And he runs out of the church. He runs down the street he goes all the way home, opens up his door, runs up the stairs, goes into his brother's room, shuts the door. He's panting, and he's like, we are in big trouble. God is missing, and they think it's us. <laughs> really easy to believe the wrong things. To think you know something or heard something when you're off. I've done it. We've all done it. I mean, I believe for way too long that my addictions, my sins, were too entangled and too much of a problem for God to deal with. I mean, I've been in my life addicted to drugs, to lying, porn, other things. And in that place, it's very easy to adopt this understanding that basically a lie that says that others can get freedom, others can be healed, others can be forgiven, but I'll probably always struggle with my issues. I'll probably never fully know what it's like to be completely forgiven or freed from my stuff. Maybe you've heard that lie in your own life and some version of it where, you know, yeah, you know some people that have done bad things, but they're not as bad as you. You know people that have become Christians, and that's great for those friends or those family members, but, but Christ didn't really die for the likes of you. Maybe you've heard the, the little saying that you made your bed, now you've got to lie in it, right? And so the problem with that is, sure, there's a little truth in that, but it's mixed with this potent lie that says that I've screwed up too much in my life. I brought these problems on myself, and now 
I've got to just live with it for the rest of my life. See, those are lies that we believe. Those are things that Jesus did not say. And here's the truth of the matter. No person is too far from God to not be saved, to not be loved, to not be forgiven. No one is so bad that God would not want them, and no one is so good that they don't need God. The truth is that we're all in equal need of God. Some of us maybe just know it a little better than others. Is that we're all in need of forgiveness. We're all in need of a second chance. We're all in need of a do-over. Because I blow it every day. I mess up at home. I say the wrong stuff. I do the wrong things. I disappoint people. I hurt people. I do it at work. And I'm in great need of forgiveness all of the time. Few places in the Bible do we see a clearer picture of this grace that I'm referring to this morning than in John chapter 8. If you have a Bible, you can turn there with me. And we're going to look at a story of where Jesus encountered this sinful woman, this woman caught in the act of adultery. Starting in verse 1, but Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Early in the morning, he came again to the temple. All the people came to him, and he sat down and taught them. The scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery, and placing her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman has been caught in the act of adultery. Now, in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. So what do you say? This they said to test him, that they might have some charge to bring against him. Well, Jesus bent down and wrote his finger in the, on the ground, and as they continued to ask him, he stood up and he said to them, Let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. And once more he bent down and wrote on the ground. But when they had heard it, they went away one by one, beginning with the older ones, and Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. And Jesus stood up and said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said, Neither do I condemn you. Go, and from now on, sin no more. It's clear that this woman had violated the law of Moses. It's clear that this woman was broken, had sinned. We're not sure where her partner was, because last I checked, it takes two to commit that particular sin. It's clear that someone beyond those people were going to be hurt, other spouses, children, and ultimately the heart of God. Let's be clear, they deserved punishment. Yet Jesus saw something beyond her sin. He saw that there was pain in her life. He saw that there was pain she was creating from her sin. He saw the ripple effects of the sin that creates brokenness and pain. He also saw the self-righteousness of those who were accusing her, those that had probably set her up and wanted to trap Jesus because Jesus was known for forgiving sin, which really angered the Pharisees and religious leaders of the law because when it, only God can forgive sins and Jesus is forgiving sin. And so they wanted to trap Jesus and say that she's clearly in the wrong. 
The law of Moses states she should be put to death by stoning. And Jesus, I want you to acknowledge that she cannot be forgiven now and must be put to death. Jesus said, let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone. And then he began to write in the sand with his hand, with his finger. And we're not sure what he was writing. I don't know. Maybe he was writing some of their sins. And they were looking at that. Maybe, maybe even one of their mistresses wrote her name. I don't know. Maybe he was just doodling pictures. Hey, Jesus was here. I don't, we don't really know what he was writing in the sand. But one thing we know is that when he looked up and he looked into their eyes, he said, basically, whoever is without sin, why don't you start by throwing the first stone? And it just reinforces to us what the scripture teaches throughout, which is all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Every one of us, we're all in equal need of forgiveness. Yes, this, this particular woman was caught in her sin, but she was also released that day from a lie that she believed for way too long because Jesus surprised her with this encounter because he saw her pain. He saw that she was unloved. He saw this sin was going to make her life even worse, though she thought it would make it better. The pain it would create in other people and in, other, in, in her family. And, and yet God loves us. In spite of our sin, in spite of the pain it causes, he loves us. He hates sin. He doesn't hate sin because he's just this huge celestial being that has this long list of rules to keep. He hates sin because sin creates more brokenness and pain in this world. He knows it, so he hates it, but he loves us. He loves you. Here's the truth that I want to leave you with. The truth is that Jesus chooses mercy over judgment. No better example can be seen of that than when we look at Jesus hanging on the cross, and he's stretched out after being beaten and scourged and bloodied and mocked, and he looks down at all of the people that had done that, and he says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. The scripture teaches us in Romans chapter 5, verse 8, that God demonstrates his own love for us, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The good news is that we can approach him with confidence, with confidence, because he's a God that loves us, he didn't come into this world to condemn it. He didn't come to condemn you in your life. He came to save you and free you, love you, forgive you. Jesus offers that to every person who will turn to him in humility and honesty and own our stuff and come to him and just say, Lord, I'm a sinner. I need you. I've blown it. I've hurt people. I've been hurt, and I've hurt others. And I need you to forgive me. See, that's the kind of prayer that he responds to, and he responds to it immediately. He loves to give us fresh starts. Jesus offers you a fresh start today. Look at verse 11 with me one more time. Jesus declared to this woman, he said, Now go and sin no more. And the, mean, the, the word go means go right now. It's an immediate it's not like go next week, go when you've smoked your stash, go when things look better. 
No, he's saying go now and sin no more. Don't stay in it one second longer. Jesus offered her a second chance at life and a do-over, and he offers that to you today as well. He'll never ask you to leave something that he doesn't have something better waiting for you. And so he says, you know what? You can never atone for your, for your own sin. You can never make it right. You can never do enough good things to earn your way into God's good graces. Go to church enough, care for the poor, the elderly, the sick. You'll never be good enough to say, God, I stand here before you because I think that the good things I've done in my life outweigh the bad things. I hope you grade on a scale, on a curve. And, and God says, you can't self-atone. Jesus has already done that. He already hung on the cross for you. So you don't have to put yourself up there. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, when someone becomes a Christian, he becomes a, new, a brand new person inside. He's not the same anymore. A new life has begun. Have you done that? If you've never accepted what Jesus did on the cross for you, to atone for your sin, to pave the way, to be the propitiation for your sin, to remove it completely, today can be that day for you. Others of us, maybe you've asked God to forgive you and you just don't feel forgiven. You still struggle with the guilt and the shame and the mistakes of your past and you just don't feel forgiven. And I want to remind you of a few things about God's forgiveness. Really important things, four things that we need to remind ourselves of. First of all, God forgives you instantly. Isaiah 55, 7 says God is merciful and he's quick to forgive. He doesn't go, let me just let you grovel in it for a while so you remember. He doesn't go, I'll sit on it, I'll get back to you next week. No, God says as soon as you come to him with a contrite heart and you just ask him, he'll forgive you immediately in this moment. You don't have to suffer for a while first. Matter of fact, many of us have done that for far too long by holding ourselves captive. He wants to set us free today. God forgives you instantly. He also forgives you completely. Colossians chapter 2, verse 13 says, And you who were dead in your trespasses, God made alive together with him, having, what, forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. See, Jesus Christ died for which ones of your sins? All of them. Not just the ones from yesterday, but the ones from today and the ones you'll commit next week. He already knows, and he's forgiving those things. God forgives, not just once. He forgives instantly, complete, completely, and he, he forgives over and over and over and over again repeatedly. Have you ever committed the same sin twice? Some of you are like, yeah, try like 250 times. Right, and how does it feel to keep coming back to God and asking forgiveness for the same thing? We can give up on that because we can think, man, if I was God, I wouldn't re-forgive me for something I already asked forgiveness for and then did the same thing again. 
aren't you glad you're not God? Because he does forget repeatedly, over and over and over again for the same thing, and he's not exhausted by doing it. It's in his nature. He's merciful and forgiving. Lamentations chapter 3, verse 22 says, The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Every day there's a fresh supply of his grace, of his mercy, and of forgiveness. Multiple times throughout the day. We can never run it dry. And the last thing about forgiveness to remember is this, that he forgives you freely. Ephesians 1, 7 says, For by the sacrificial death of Christ, we are set free. That is, our sins are forgiven. How great is the grace of God. We're free. Why? Because of God's free gift of grace. Something you can't earn. Something I can't atone for. Something that I can't, I can't make happen. I just have to receive it. And God offers that to us this morning. Free gift of grace. And as imperfect human beings, that's one of our greatest needs, isn't it? Is, is to have that fresh supply of grace, mercy, and forgiveness. And we also need to be a, 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 a fresh water supply of pouring it out to other people, too. That we receive it, and we pour it out. You know, the people that have the hardest time often in forgiving others are the people that have the least revelation of the forgiveness they've received. Do you know how much you need forgiveness? When we do, and we receive it, we just get good at receiving that forgiveness from God, we tend to get a little bit better at giving it out to other people. God's greatest gift to us, forgiveness. Here's God's word to you, and then we're going to have communion. God's word to you is no one is too far gone that they can't be saved. No one has screwed up too much in their life that they cannot be forgiven. God says, I can take your mistakes, and I can forgive them, and I will forgive them. They are paid in full at the cross. Now, forgive yourself, and allow me, God says, to begin to make something beautiful out of your life. We're going to take communion right now. And communion is such a great picture and such a great representation of, of, of what happens when we come to God, to that throne of grace, to receive mercy and grace in our time of need. That the cup reminds us of the blood of Jesus that was shed on the cross for each one of us, for the remission of our sins. And the bread reminds us of the body of Jesus Christ that was given on our behalf, the innocent died for the guilty. That's me. God wants not only to forgive, but he wants to empower. Empower us to live by grace every day, to breathe grace in like air. He wants to do that for each one of us this morning. Jesus wants us to let go of those things we hold on to. And he wants us to experience that new day today. Matthew's gospel says during the meal Jesus took and blessed the bread. He broke it 
he gave it to his disciples. Take, eat. This is my body. Taking the cup and thanking God, he gave it to them. Drink this, all of you. This is my blood. God's new covenant poured out for many people for the forgiveness of sins. I want to invite you just to spend some time praying and talking to God. And then as you feel prompted, I want you to, to come up and take communion. Take a piece of the bread, dip it in the cup, and tell yourself it's been paid in full. And take the communion. Thank God for it. Let's pray. Preparing our hearts. Lord God, we just come to you and thank you that you paid for our sins in full. That we don't have to beat ourselves up because you were already beaten. You were bloody. You were hung on the cross for me. And now, out of your love, you say, just receive it. Just receive it. Maybe you're here this morning. You know God's speaking to you, and he wants to invite you into a, a relationship with himself. Not a religion, but a relationship. It's based on his grace, and it starts with just honesty, humility. Just to say, God, I need you. And if that's you, I want to pray with you and ask that you pray this along with me. Jesus, I come to you today. And I want to quit trying to make everything right so that I'm worthy to come into your presence. And I just accept, Jesus, you died on the cross for me. You are God. And I'm asking God that you forgive me for my sins and mistakes, for the way that I've hurt others, the way that I've hurt myself and hurt you. No sin is too great that it cannot be forgiven. And so, Lord, I'm receiving that today in my heart and spirit. Now, Lord, would you wash me and cleanse me? Make me whole. Give me that fresh start. Make me new on the inside. And pray in the name of Jesus. And Lord God, I pray for each one that prayed that prayer that you will empower them by the power of your Holy Spirit giving us the ability to walk differently, to walk in a new direction, to go and sin no more. And Lord, to constantly rely upon your grace when we blow it. And so each one of us, Lord, we're just asking, would you wash us and cleanse us today? We give you our heavy burden. And we take upon us, Lord, your light burden. In Jesus' name. Feel free just to spend some moments worshiping before you come, and then we'll take communion. Come find your mercy, oh, sinner, come near.
I love these words of Jesus. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Lord, that's what we're agreeing on today in prayer. Lord, we're just asking right now, and we're giving to you by faith, Lord, our burdens. The burden of our anxiety, the burden of our sin, the burden of our regrets, the burden of our guilt, the burden of our shame. Lord, we're giving it to you right now. Lord, we're asking for your rest. That at the cross, there's an exchange. And so we're asking right now, Lord, for the empowerment of your Holy Spirit to give us rest. To give us peace. To give us your joy. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name. Amen. If you're new here, um, first or second time visiting, we want to connect with you. We'd love to help you see how you can connect better here at the church. And so directly, right after the service, right now, you'll want to meet underneath that monitor, and then we'll just hang out with you for five or six, seven minutes and just talk to you about that, how to connect, answer any questions you have. And uh, otherwise, there'll be people up here to pray with you. If you'd like some prayer from others, we'll be here for you. God bless you. Have a great day today. Go Hawks. <laughs>